from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. That's Chris Lee, Dennis Cox here with you. Yeah, Brand Hill producing us this afternoon on 99.9 The Fan. If you miss anything, go to the best of 99.9 The Fan podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, go to 99.9 The Fan's YouTube page. Yeah, Help you should. drop that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that notification bell. That way you don't miss any of the stuff that we put out there. Graham's already posting stuff right now. Controversy in the Big Rock Fishing Tournament. Chris Paul's going to be on the move. Is Brett Pesci on the move? What? A lot of things to get to as so we get to the daily check down. Let's get right to number five. I got five on it. Derek Whitehead, Duke men's basketball star. Possibly sliding down into the second round, Chris? Is that what I'm seeing? The draft is June 22nd, this Thursday. The draft is coming up in just a matter of three days. And uh, right now, of course, you know it happens to somebody, no matter what draft it is, NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, somebody is going to be over-discussed. Somebody's going to overthink things. Mm -hmm. And because of that, players end up slipping. And that's something that could end up happening with Dariq Whitehead. Now, here are some of the facts. Dariq Whitehead... Uh, played a whole different style. One of the reasons why he was a top five player in his class coming out in high school is because he was rangy. He had a ch- he uh, was very twitchy. He was fast. He slashed to the bucket. He was athletic, jumped really high, all that good stuff. That's what you expected to see from him. Mm-hmm. That's not what you saw from him at Duke. Came in with a foot injury before the season started at Duke, and uh, you could tell it actually impacted him throughout the year. As a matter of fact, you remember at Virginia Tech, that leg, he came he came down, and we thought that, oh, man, he had some type of a lower leg injury, and we thought it was going to end up being the worst, and he ended up being on crutches yeah. that day. But he eventually uh, came back, which was the good thing. Um, we didn't know what was going to go on with Derek Whitehead. Had another uh, surgery after the season was over, and uh, now some people are wondering, man, is it going to be worth it to get him? Is he going to be ready? For the NBA, Chris Spatola, ESPN college basketball analyst, he talked about some of the questions regarding Derek Whitehead playing in the NBA. Does he understand, you know, in terms of his IQ? He's not a great passer. At least we didn't see that. Is that something that he will be able to do? Is he a guy that's comfortable being a, a corner three guy who ultimately maybe develops into, into other stuff? Um but th- there's just a lot of stuff that I think you- you're going to ask or want Dariq Whitehead to do that I think he's still too young to, to-, to fully embrace, to fully work at. And then ultimately, um, you don't know if he could ever get there just based off his his body of work or his incomplete body of work at Duke. Dariq Whitehead's success in the NBA is going to de- depend on Dariq Whitehead. Mm-hmm. I think any team that decides to uh, choose him is getting a really good player. Yeah. And the fact that he he was, he showed you one thing in high school and he was known for this one thing, and injuries uh, hampered him a little bit at Duke, and he turned into the best three-point shooter on the team, and you weren't even expecting that out of him, shooting it at over 40% behind the three-point line. Will he be able to do that in the NBA? Who knows? But the fact that he was able to turn himself into that, to me, shows his work ethic. And that should talk more about who Derek Whitehead is versus his injuries. I know you mentioned something you mentioned real quick as well about how in high school he was played around 200 pounds and then had the foot injury, 
He, he bulked up to 220, and some people were questioning, like, man, that might be too heavy, and he weighed in at the combine at 217. Maybe not too heavy, but just the fact that it was just or, that fast. You or, know, yeah. He goes from you know 20 pounds within a year, and he's not he's not as quick. He doesn't jump as high because of that. Well, I also think as well is that he actually gets into a legit strength program at Duke. Yes. So, yeah, he may have just bulked up and filled out his frame, but you know what? He's still only 19 going on 20 years old. Facts. So his body's still going to continue to evolve over time. So people are complaining. We're not complaining. Pointing out his weight. He ain't fat. No, he's not. He ain't fat. He's far no, from he it. No, he's not. He is far from it. That that dude's chiseled out of stone. I can tell you that right now. All right, let's go to the next thing. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. The Wake Forest Demon Deacons yes. in the College World Series, and so far, they've won one game. Well, they got game two of their se- of their double elimination round. Game two is tonight. Right here, 7 o'clock on the fan. Versus LSU. Mm-hmm. If they can win tonight's game, then they would only have to win one more game to get into the the, the College World Series final. Yeah. If they were to lose tonight against LSU, then Wake Forest would have to win three straight games just to make it to the College World Series final. They have the talent to do that, but definitely makes it a lot easier if you just go ahead and, and take care of it and get that win tonight. Wake Forest, Dennis, is a team that we've seen mm-hmm. uh, be able to win in so many different ways. They can, uh, of course, beat a team by one point like they did against Stanford the other day, yep. three to two. Or they can blow out a team like they did against Alabama, Alabama and win 22-5, yeah. right? So uh, they can win in so many different ways, but people just don't know where they are. Yeah, I know. People don't know where Wake Forest is. This is actually a collection of people at the College World Series in Omaha. They're asked, hey, number one ranked team is Wake Forest. Do you know where they are? Wake Forest is the number one team at the College World Series, but what state is Wake Forest located in? Oh my goodness. Lake Forest? Wake Forest. Lake Forest, uh, California. California. <laughs> I have no idea. Couldn't tell you. Hawaii. Hawaii. I know this. Florida? Florida, bro, Florida. East Coast. I know it's East. Massachusetts? Tennessee? Is it Wyoming? Is it really? No. <laughs> I'm gonna go West Virginia. Montana. Um, Iowa. New Jersey. Minnesota. 100%. North Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina. Thank you. Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Number one team in the country, baby. And here's the thing. If Wake Forest Forest wins this one, this will be their second College World Series victory, Mm -hmm. but the first for Winston-Salem. Because the last time that they won the College World Series was in 1955 when Arnold Palmer was still a college student. I don't think he was in 55. Oh, he wasn't? No. He finished the year before then, but he was a student in the 50s. Um, And that's when they were uh, in Wake Forest, actually. They ended up moving to Winston-Salem the year after in 1956. Crazy. Crazy. Crazy to think about. Again, they play LSU that game, first pitch scheduled. About two hours away, 7 o'clock. You can listen to that right here on 99.9 The Fan. Next one. One, two, three. Carolina Hurricanes. Some big offseason decisions coming up for them. In regards to contract extensions for players, potential moves this offseason. July 1st. July 1st is when free agency begins. Right before that, I think starting June 26th is actually when the NHL draft gets underway. It's next week. 
So we actually start to see potentially guys get traded in the offseason before free agency, but really around draft time because this is when you might start seeing guys get traded for picks this year as well as future years. Brett Pesci on the move, potentially, Chris? According to Pierre Lebrun, um, that is something that could possibly happen if the Carolina Hurricanes cannot agree to a deal with him uh, this offseason. Now, here's the thing. He has a new agent. Mm -hmm. Brett Pesci, of course, has uh, outplayed what he's making right now. What did you say? He's making like four? A a shade over four million million dollars a year. Yeah. Um, And and somebody of his stature, somebody of his uh, playing ability, could easily on a free market end up commanding over $6 million per year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, will the Carolina Hurricanes be okay with p- paying that much? Or are they looking for a little bit more of a discount? Is Brett Pesci wanting to get paid over $6 million? Or is he cool taking that hometown discount to stay with the team that drafted him, that's helped develop him and, and all that? And he says he wants to be a, a Carolina Hurricane if he can't, could be. Um, but looks like the, the Hurricanes, what they're looking at, is, hey, we're going to try to get this deal done in offseason. We want him around. If not, well, I guess we got to get some value for him in the, through, over the trademark. So it's interesting how this conversation is taking place 17 years to the day that the Carolina Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup in 2006, by the way. 17 years ago to the day that the That's Canes crazy. won the Stanley Cup. That's crazy. So, again, what won on the Canes- Juneteenth. That's amazing. There you go. See? <laughs> Another e- easy day to remember. So the question is for Carolina. Okay, right now, currently his contract is under market value. He's Brett Burns makes about five and a quarter million dollars. So does Brady Shea. Uh, Jacob Slavin's five point three million dollars. So we saw a player by the name of Damon Severson who played this last season with the New Jersey Devils got traded to the to the Columbus Blue Jackets this offseason. and he signed an eight year contract that pays about. Six and a quarter million dollars a year. It's eight-year, $50 million deal. So the question is, okay, two very comparable players. If even if, if even if Brett Pesci is somewhere at $6 million a year, Carolina could do that, but again, how long are you willing to pay that? Are you, are you willing to do that for three years, four years at $6 million? Or does Brett Pesci want something longer where he can get like seven eight or eight million, years? Eight-year eight deal or something like that. So, again, yeah. the term length of the contract is a big thing as well. I'm also 100% okay with, you know what? You can have Brett Pesci for just this one season or continue to have him again for this upcoming season. Now, does the emergence of Jalen Chatfield, where you can slide him up to that second defensive pair alongside Brady Shea, the emergence of Jalen Chatfield, does that maybe give you a little bit more comfort knowing that you can move him? But here's the thing. Carolina is known for their depth of their defensive core. Do you want to break that up right now? And also, you said if, if he just plays this year, and what if they can't come to an agreement after this year? Then you're basically letting him walk for nothing. That's okay. You let Dougie Hamilton do the same thing. You let Vincent Trocek do the same thing. I think I'm okay with those guys walking. Okay. Brett Pesci, I don't know if I'm okay with letting him walk for nothing. Okay. He's somebody I want at least get something back for. Like, you know, some people, and, and that's nothing against um, Dougie Hamilton, nothing against Vincent Trocek. Very good players. But there's some players that, that are that are so good that if you're going to walk away or if something's going to happen, I got to make sure I get something for you because that is a huge hole because of what you provide our team. And that to me, that's Brett Pesci. Next up. 
And I don't even care who number two is. Chris Paul. Do the Chris Paul, y'all. Um, Chris Paul was uh, traded uh, over the weekend from mm-hmm. the Phoenix Suns to the Washington Wizards. That f- trade has not been finalized. But just like we found out on social media, well, Chris Paul found out mid-flight. I'm, I'm driving in this morning, and we got the ticker tape thing outside of our building. What is And that? I see this potential blockbuster deal between you and Bradley Bill that may take you from Phoenix to Washington and vice versa. Hmm. I was surprised. <laughs> what are your first thoughts on that? I was surprised, too. <laughs> <laughs> I found out on the plane yesterday flying here for this. You know, in this league, anything can happen, so you just figure out what's next. Hmm. You literally found out <laughs> on the plane. Absolutely. Wow. What George, was your first reaction? Don't push him any further. He's trying to be nice about yeah, it. He yeah, he is, right? Yeah. What's happening? Next question, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Next question, basically. Huh? But that was on uh, Good Morning America. Uh, Chris Paul right now uh, probably won't stick with the Washington Wizards. Uh, either the Wizards are going to try to get in a third team to try to trade him, or at a certain point, maybe before the June 28th deadline where he'll be owed $30 million mm-hmm. um, guaranteed for this year. You know, maybe he ends up getting a buyout or waived by the Washington Wizards. And so he'll be free to go play with another team. Some of the teams that are rumored, L.A. Clippers, L.A. Lakers. Yeah. Chris Paul lives in L.A. with his family. He'd want to be close to his kids. It's an easy flight from Arizona, uh, from Phoenix, Arizona to uh, L.A., which is what they were doing before. So he could go back and see his family. It'll be a lot easier if all you have to do is just drive home versus flying home from Phoenix. That's true. This is where this upcoming trade, depending on when it actually does get finalized, because part of the trade going to Washington, they just say a group of second-round picks. When those take place, what years, how many, again, they're trying to finalize these things. We might see more of those get moved if the third team does get involved. But the reason why these second-round picks that we're hearing about are actually going to be so valuable is because with the new collective bargaining agreement taking place July 1st, the way the luxury tax in the NBA, things are going to get more difficult for teams that go over the salary cap. The taxes are going to be exponentially greater. So teams that have high-priced veteran players, like, for example, we're going to see with Phoenix, with Beal, Kevin Durant, with Devin Booker, and also DeAndre Ayton, Teams have to supplement their rosters now, probably with second-round picks. They're going to have to draft and develop guys that aren't on full guaranteed contracts. You're not going to be able to, oh, let's go get lottery picks or things like that to supplement your roster. You're not going to be able to do that moving forward. So second-round picks are actually going to become more valuable. This is where, we just a little bit ago, we talked about Dariq Whitehead potentially sliding into the second round. Terquavion Smith, point guard out of NC State, is projected to be a high second round pick by a lot of people. He might be a late first rounder, but he's a high second rounder most likely. This is where these guys are actually going to get a a better chance to make a roster as opposed to maybe getting sent to the G League. They might get some G League time. But with veteran guys that are load managing that we see throughout the season, guys that get hurt throughout the year, well, guess what? Second round draft pick. You're going to get more of a shot early on in your career to prove yourself and get playing time. This is why a team, 
might potentially go get a Terquavion Smith. Absolutely. Might potentially move up in the second round to get Terquavion Smith. Or Drake, Drake Whitehead floats into 33. In that territory, a team might That's be value. willing to – His value actually will go up. That's value. So, yeah, you might actually start seeing these second-round picks moving forward that actually are going to get more playing time as things progress. Because, again, that's how teams are going to want to fill their rosters. And we don't have to go far to look at a second-round success, right? Like, Devontae Graham from Raleigh, North Carolina, was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. Mm -hmm. Sent him to Greensboro basically for the first year of his NBA career, and he played in the G League, even though he was an NBA player. Then he comes back his second year, has a breakout year for the Charlotte Hornets. Absolutely amazing year. Plays another year uh, with them. But then by the time he was done with his third year, Charlotte Hornets had a decision to make. Because now this guy on a free market could command more money. And that's exactly what happened when the New Orleans Pelicans came in and said, hey, we'll give you this amount of money. And it was too rich for the Charlotte Hornets. That's a second round player that ended up outplaying where he was drafted at. Raleigh native Devontae Graham. And then also look at who won the NBA championship this year. Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Pick number 41. Mm -hmm. Second round pick. Now he's an NBA uh, champion and an NBA uh, uh, finals MVP. Yeah. So you're going to start seeing, as Dennis said, uh, these teams really value these second round picks a little bit more. Not going to be throwaways anymore. It's not going to be throwaways anymore simply because of Nikola Jokic, but then also looking at these other success stories. But here's what we're talking about when it comes to the NBA salary cap. NBA salary cap for next year is $134 million. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Bradley Beal all put together make $161 million. That is $27 million over the cap already. And we're not even talking about a full roster. Yeah. <laughs> we're not even yeah. talking about a full roster for the You Suns. don't even have a starting five. So here's another That's thing. four. Here's another thing. Since they have blown past the roster mm-hmm. and they still need to fill out their roster, they only have five people on uh, their roster right now, those four, and then also Cameron Payne. Mm-hmm. Along with this deal from the Washington Wizards, yeah. the Wizards just added this in today since this uh, trade isn't finalized, center Isaiah Todd going to Phoenix. Now, that's huge because maybe DeAndre Ayton, a center from the, the Phoenix Suns, gets dealt. Because he's been unhappy in, in Phoenix. He's going to be set to make $32 million. You take that off, Isaiah Todd is not going to make anywhere near $32 million. Isaiah Todd played uh, some high school basketball at Word of God here in Raleigh. Yep. And maybe along with Booker, Durant, and, and Bill, you're thinking, okay, we could plug in Isaiah Todd and we'll be okay at center position. And maybe that's the new center for the Phoenix Suns. That is our speculation. That's all. That's what we're thinking. That's, that's not... Inside information or whatever, but with how far the Phoenix Suns are over the salary cap right now, that is a possibility. Here we're talking about second round picks. Isaiah Todd, a second round pick. Draymond Green yes. was a second round pick. He yes. actually declined his player option of twenty seven point five million dollars for this upcoming season. Uh different difficult situation for new general manager Mike Dunleavy Jr., former Duke Blue Devil, regarding what to do with the roster for the Golden State Warriors going forward. Uh, so that's all part of that. Again, second-round picks might be more it's valuable be down, important. down the line. All right, let's get to our top story. I chose William Peace because of the personalized education it offers, which allows students to truly know their professors. It's really possible to make genuine connections with your professors and learn 
intentionally here and dive deep into what you're passionate about. A 12 to 1 student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu. Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Big weekend down in Moorhead City and a lot of controversy, actually, Chris Lee. So, down in Moorhead City, the boat sensation on Saturday, just before hooks had to be pulled up on the boats, they got the they hooked a blue marlin. They fought that thing for about six plus hours, Chris. Mm. A 619.4-pound blue marlin. That's more than Yokozuna. The, yes. <laughs> way more than Yokozuna. Yes. Goodness. Now I have to reinforce the ring for that one. Now, the fish was reeled in by sensation. They got it on the boat. After, again, fighting for about six hours. They got back to the docks at about 11.15. Weighed the fish, but looked like it was probably from shark bites. Uh, mutilation to the fish. There are pieces of the fish that were basically, for lack of a better term, missing. Flesh was taken out of the fish. Now, there is a rule that the IGFA, the International Game Fish Association, that the Big Rock Tournament follows. Big Rock Tournament has this rule in place. It's Rule 23, and it states, mutilation to the fish prior to landing or boating the catch caused by sharks other fish, mammals, or propellers that remove or penetrate the flesh disqualifies the catch. So the fish that Sensation caught, that blue marlin, was disqualified. They deliberated on it overnight, and they announced it yesterday morning. This fish disqualified based off our rules. Sushi, with their 485-plus-pound fish, they win, So the, which is about $2.7 million. So Sensation... Misses out on that first prize money. Yeah. They also miss out on the fabulous fisherman's right. prize of the first blue marlin caught that's over 500 pounds. That's $739,000. plus So those two things put together. Over $3.5 million. I mean, you look at $3.5 million or so. So they're, they're going to appeal this decision. I'm sure they're going to be lawyers. But that was a big controversy that took place down there at the Big Rock. I reached out to the executive director of the Big Rock and the folks down there, and they said, we're just going to defer to our official statement at this time. So I did reach out to give them the opportunity to come on here and speak. Uh, and their statement read, After careful deliberation and discussion between the Big Rock Rules Committee and the Board of Directors with biologists from both NC State, the CMAS program, and NC Marine Fisheries biologists, as well as an IGFA official, it was determined that Sensation's 619.4-pound blue marlin is disqualified due to mutilation caused by a shark or other marine animal. It was deemed that the fish was mutilated before it was landed or boated, and therefore it was disqualified. So there's the statement. There's the reasoning. There it is. But I know a lot of people were not happy. People were upset, and and a lot of the comparison goes back to, I guess, four years ago now. 2019. 2019, when a 914-pound fish was caught, the difference in that situation was 
that fish was too big to be fully boated. Uh, so to they put, had, be put up, yeah. But they they brought the fish in, and then they basically had to drag the fish through the water to come back to the dock to get weighed. And they determined in that situation, the mutilation that happened to that fish happened in the water after it, was it had boated. been it boated and caught. And so that is the difference uh, with that. So very interesting when it comes down to that. We spoke to uh, Donnie White. Donnie White was ahead of uh, which which boat? The captain of the Sea Wolf. Captain of Sea Wolf. Uh, we talked to him earlier today, and he talked about uh, his thoughts on regarding sensations, uh, fish being disqualified when he spoke to us. I think it, it got bit because they fought it for six hours. Mm-hmm. I had hung one up the day before. It was 408 pounds. It took 35 minutes. I would attribute the shark bite to the amount of time the fish was in the water hmm. fighting. <clears throat> I, um, we definitely have a shark problem nowadays. The shark fishery has been shut down for about 12 years now, but there's no commercial fishing for them. And it's just getting more and more every year. This is definitely going to be a problem in the future with the shark bites. Um, it is in the rules and you know, you got to go by the rule book, but karma didn't go the right way. The shark should have bit Charlie's. <laughs> oh, and I, I did ask him right after is, does he think that the rules should be amended um, to a- allow for uh, for things to kind of change for that, so yeah. so that uh, if if there since there are more sharks in the water, maybe you know something can be amended, something can be taken off or whatever for the fish. Pounds can be taken off, but to allow mutilated fish to come up. So and he said he thought it should be amended. Big controversy going on. Uh, I guess yeah, controversy. It was controversial. I know a lot of people were having opinions and thoughts on this and. Yeah, why are we talking about fishing going on? Well, this is something that's happening here in our community. This is the state of North Carolina. Moorhead City is two and a half hours away, two, 245, depending on where you are. So, yeah, this is a big thing that happens here in the state of North Carolina. And, again, for the boat sensation, they thought coming in, hey, we won $3.5 million roughly. And all of a sudden, you got nothing out of it. So, yeah, a lot of people are going to be upset. A lot of people are going to be ticked off. And there's also about 10,000 people at the docks on Saturday night when that boat arrived with that big fish because people wanted to see it. They knew people were fighting. Uh, they were fighting that fish. Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity.